This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the Arlington Chamber of Commerce. This is your host, John Schuhart. Mark, tell us who we have on the show today. Yes, we first we have Robert Epstein, President and CEO of About Web, Byron Cherry, President and CEO of Succeed to Lead, Robert Kinsler, founder and CEO of United Frey, and finally Dave Kerrigan, owner of Billman Company. We have several co-hosts today to help me interview our guest. We have Mike Rosenau from the Arlington Chamber of Commerce, Mark Haas from AEG, Alonzo Zamora from White Glove Solution, and Bob Sprague from Yes And. It is now my pleasure to introduce to you Robert Epstein. Robert, what is About Web? About Web is a cybersecurity company. We focus on IT solutions, product development, and also training. How large or how small is it? We have about 50 employees, and we also have contractors. And how did you get involved? I started the company in 1998. Um, it's actually the third company that I've that I've grown, and uh, now actually I'm on my fourth uh, with About Web. And we had uh, one spinoff from About Web, it's called Career Bank, uh, became one of the largest internet companies in the country. Uh, but About Web is primarily focused on government contracting, really helping to make the country a little bit safer. And where were you born, Robert? I was actually born in Washington, D.C., so I'm a native Washingtonian. And uh, then uh, my formative years were in uh, Wheaton, Maryland. And tell us about your parents. So my dad was a psychologist. He worked for the Veterans Administration. And he also worked for Goodwill. Uh, so he, he really helped the veterans who came back from the wars. Uh, the World War II, Korean War folks were did fine. The Vietnam uh, veterans, unfortunately, struggled a lot. So And that was really during my childhood. So I saw how much he cared and tried to help them. And my mom was an amazing uh, business lady. She was from, again, World War II, Depression era. So um, didn't a lot of women did not go to college back then, but she probably would have done great if she did. Great with budgets, saving uh, money, um, great marketing. Learned a lot there uh, from, from both of them and also learned a lot from my uncle, who was a great business person. Right, thanks. Before the show, you shared with us that one of your avocations is uh, running a band. And uh, I'm wondering, a lot of psychology and a lot of business go into running a band. How did your experience with your mom and dad lead to that passion? Uh, well, I grew up in a very musical family. Uh, uh, my grandfather could play by ear, my dad could play by ear, and I can play by ear. Uh, my wife is actually a classically trained pianist. All my kids play music. And uh, we just have a love of music. It's a way to, to you know, build on, on life. When you have a band, it's like a marriage. So you gotta, there's give and take and compromise and egos and all those kinds of things. And when you're a bass player like me, there's no ego. You just sit back and follow the drums. But um, luckily what I've been able to do is, you know, I always was dreamed to be a rock star. Well, that didn't turn out to be the case. So instead um, I was more realistic and, and grew companies, but I still can give back a lot to charity through my band, uh, which is called Lulu's World Rock Band. Does running the company call on some of the same skills as running the band? Uh, very similar. There's a lot of give and take. You have to build things by consensus. Anyone who runs a business based on uh, dictatorship is is do, uh, doomed to failure. You have to uh, get people to buy into what you're doing and then uh, get them to achieve the best they can achieve. Growing up, what sports did you play? I played baseball and soccer, and I also ran track. Uh, I was timed at 9-8, 100-yard dash. Uh, wanted to try it for the Junior Olympics, but actually – I was working three jobs at that time in high school uh, to help pay for college, save for college. And so I couldn't take off from work that day, so I didn't get to do that. But um, I think speed was really my talent. I was, on, I was an okay athlete, but, but speed carried the day. What did you learn from all those experiences playing with teams or your individual accomplishments? Um, 
I saw a lot of coaches over the years that I thought were quite horrible, uh, beat down the confidence of kids, beat down, and they carried that for the rest of their life. So I had a mission that if, uh, when I got a little bit older, I would become a coach as a volunteer, and I'm certified in five sports as a high school coach. And I focus on kind of the motley crew of, of kids who um, are not the greatest athletes, but learn how to build teamwork together. And we've won 15 championships together in multiple sports with a variety of kids. I just like building that. And the same skills with that go into building companies. So you're all about building people up and helping people. Is that true? I, what I like to do is I, I see the value in individuals. We run a program out of About Web called About Web Cares. I take people who are former opioid addicts, uh, returning citizens from prison, uh, maybe need a second chance, made some mistakes in their life. And I look for the positive or the value in someone, and I give them an opportunity. I'm not a handout person. I'm a hand-up person. So I'm very tough on that. And so uh, we, we focus. We have an office in Baltimore City where um, you know some of the mentality there is handout. Uh, the folks come out, my, come into my program, are they learn that it's hand-up real quick or they're out. And you'd be amazed on how many people just want an opportunity. And with that opportunity, they can do amazing things. And we've created a lot of cyber warriors out of these folks who were utterly no one to even give a chance to. So where in your childhood did you get this mentality? Well, I grew up in Wheaton, Maryland, which is a relatively diverse area. And uh, it was a little less diverse back then, but it was still diverse. And you learn about the value of all different kinds of people, all different cultures, and what are the positives they can bring to the table. And it's amazing some of the people, one of the guys I can remember, that we carpooled with because he didn't have enough money to have a car and his mom would ask would he carpool with us to high school so we'd pick him up. He now became one of the top lawyers for the NBA Players Association and that guy grew up with nothing. So of all kinds of uh, success stories, one of the guys that lived in the apartment complex across from me went to Harvard, uh, all kinds of things. So you could see that if someone's given an opportunity, then um, you got to see what they can do with it. Alonzo? How does uh, your 50 employees uh, feel about you giving back? Do they know? They love the concept. And my goal right now with the, the company is to grow our company because we completely self-fund this program. What I'm trying to teach folks is don't ask for government handouts. Don't ask for government grants. Um, we, we funded what I call a two plus one model, our About Web Cares program. For every two people we put out billable, we take some of those funds, we make a little less profit, and we invest in changing a life. And they get micro-certified within three months, and within six to nine months, they've doubled and tripled their income, and their whole life changes. They move out of poverty-stricken areas. Everything in IT, there's so many openings in IT. It's just wonderful program. We're so proud of it, and everyone's motivated to grow our company because they want to see more lives changed. That's awesome. That's great. And how does how does your farming when you were 13 years old? How does it relate to cybersecurity? Can you tell me about when you lost money in your first company? So what you learn about things is hard work doesn't always necessarily uh, translate to success, but perseverance translates into success. So I I farmed for a whole summer, tilled the whole backyard. My mom said, "Don't touch the front. I could touch the back." And I lost $58.49 not paying myself and with all the renting tillers, et cetera. And so I learned, okay, um, that didn't necessarily work out, but let me, I tried it. You know, I I don't know if you call that a failure. It's a learning experience. But then you take that learning experience and what did I learn? I learned a little bit about business, a little about marketing tomatoes to um, different stores. And you take what you can deem positive successes from that and build on it for your next opportunity. Sounds great. So what do you do with non-humans? I, uh, my wife and I uh, rescue dogs from high health shelters. Uh, there's a few in South Carolina that uh, they kill all the dogs every Thursday, whether there's room or not room. Horrible, they just go down the row and inject them all. And so we're part of a group called Lucky Dog, and we've rescued 29 dogs from certain death. We uh, are a foster family. We house them at our house, kind of like the Marriott, or as I say, the Days in. And um, we, um, until they find homes, usually it takes two to three weeks. We have uh, four dogs of our own. I have three kids and one wife. So what do the dogs and the kids, I mean, the kids and the wife think about all these uh, rescue efforts and bootstrap efforts to help people? Well, it's, it, they learn about giving back to society and making the world better, whether it's animals, whether it's people. 
that every life has value. And um, we've seen all kinds of dogs. It's amazing. You have stereotypes with people. You have stereotypes with dogs. And I think people need to get those filters out of their head. The dogs I love the most now are pit bulls. They are the sweetest, kindest dogs, and yet they're banned from certain neighborhoods. It all depends on the owner. I would not have known that going in, but uh, some of them were on the kill list, and they, they cuddle with the kids and everything. So you learn a lot of things do, you know, when you have exposure. What's your web, website, Robert? Aboutweb.com. Tell me that again. Aboutweb.com. We've been speaking with Robert Epstein from About Web. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. That's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure, I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such. So you're, you're, well, you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of, it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm-hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you, what did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm-hmm. parents, mm-hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. You've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your Business Spotlight. Thank you. We're back, and you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, John Shuhart, with my co-host, Mike Rosenau, from the Arlington Chamber of Commerce, Mark Haas from AEG, 
Alonzo Zamora from White Glove Solutions, and Bob Sprague from Yes And. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Byron Cherry. Byron, what is Succeed to Lead? Succeed to Lead is a defense contractor. We uh, specialize in financial management, IT, cyber, logistics, and training. So how big or small is uh, Succeed to Lead? Right now we're close to 60 employees. We have two subcontractors and four independent consultants. All right. And uh, I think you also said you're in seven different states across the U.S.? Yes, sir. We, we are in seven different states. All right. So uh, speaking of states and cities, where'd you grow up? Born and raised in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, and uh, brothers and sisters? Uh, two brothers and four sisters. Uh, the four sisters, one set of twins, who are right behind me. And where were you in the uh, birth order there? I'm third. So you were third out of seven. Third out of seven. What yes, role sir. did you play in the family? Clown. You're the clown. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll see more of that come out as yeah. the interview goes on. Uh, <laughs> tell us about your dad. My dad was a hard worker. He uh, spent uh, four years in the, in the Army. He came out, spent one year in college, and he then got a job at Norfolk Naval Air Station as a controller. He retired for 33 years. Uh, hard worker. He had two other jobs. He had a custodial job in the evening. Once he got off work, and on the weekends, he worked in his buddy's grocery store. He was a hard worker, which I admired. That's so wh- I got my work why was he home. working so hard? Seven kids. Seven kids. Okay, yeah. that explains it. Uh, tell us about your mom. My mom was more domesticated. She was more in housekeeping. She uh, never finished high school, but she was very nurturing, very caring, and she instilled a lot of work ethic in us and also a lot of morality. So I hear a lot of the work ethic theme coming through. I hope we can explore that later. Yes. Mark, what are you curious about? Uh, what was your role in a group of friends growing up? Uh, somewhat more as the leader slash follower. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to, because uh, I was a Boy Scout for seven years, mm-hmm. so I did that, and and I like to be around a lot of friends. And a lot of times, as I said earlier, I like to uh, uh, like to be a sponge. I always mm-hmm. wanted to learn from people, so I, it, it just kind of like kind of absorb what they knew. Mm-hmm. You said in the green room, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need a new room. Well, uh, yeah, my motto is if you're the smartest person amongst your friends, you need to find some new friends. Because mm-hmm. I always want to, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. So, um, you have a nickname growing up? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> we are. Uh, my nickname was Tank or Tankhead. Uh, got the nickname when I was five years old. Uh, it was kind of like a rite of passage growing up in Norfolk. All our friends had nicknames. Mm-hmm. So, it was kind of like the norm. Okay. Right. Uh, I understand uh, after. Uh, uh, your high school, you went to ROTC, and at one point were a jump master. And they, uh, I understand that has something to do with jumping out of airplanes on purpose. Does that have anything to do with your launching a company later on? Uh, good question. I was, I'd probably say yes. Uh, growing up and everything, I was probably very, very entrepreneurish. I used to go around the neighborhood, collect pop bottles, and take them to the grocery store and get money back off of them. You cut neighbors' grass and. <laughs> You know, make some extra money. My first job was working as a custodian in a summer job at an elementary school, clean, cleaning the school. And I always wanted to find ways to make money, be creative. I never had a problem working, uh, going in military. I just wanted to be a jump master or paratrooper. I was something I wanted to do. I was kind of adventurous, probably paying for a nail on my back, but it was fun, you know. So uh, what makes a man want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane? You know, that's a good question. Uh, when I went into the military, I, I, I got finance. I was a finance officer, and they got detailed infantry. Uh, I just wanted to be, that motto, you know, cliche, be all you can be. I just wanted to be out there up front. You know, I commanded twice in the infantry. I just wanted to jump out of planes. I just wanted to be the best. And uh, when the chance I got to Fort Bragg and work into the, uh, the special operations community, I just started jumping and went to the jump master school and got close to 150 jumps. And, uh, it was fun. I just wanted to do something I wanted to do. So what sports were you into as a kid? I played a lot of basketball. We ran track. Um, growing up, that was one of the things we did. Most of the kids, when we grew up, we played sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine was uh, basketball and track. So what events did you enjoy in track? In track, I ran cross country during the fall and during the spring. I ran indoor and outdoor. I was a half mile. I think we just called a half mile, and that was 800 meters. And I ran a mile. I wasn't really good at the mile, but I was pretty good at the half mile. So what attracted you to the longer distance? Isn't all the glory in the uh, short sprints? Never knew why. I just, uh, you know, my, my, my buddies who I grew up with, they all started running across country. And and uh, I just, hey, I just probably just followed the crowd. I just wanted to be, you know, be like them. I just so what it. about cross country or track running 
uh, applies or what do you bring from that to uh, the cyber contracting world today? Uh, running cross country and try more of a team building episode. Uh, not sure it relates so much to cyber, but uh, it was just the team building with a group of people working together and so forth, which I had the opportunity to go into the cyber world. And, um, and five years ago, and I was I had the fortune to get this contract and so forth. We we grew it and we built it, and uh, it's been going good so far. Mike, do you consider yourself more like your dad or your mom? Both. In uh, what way? Uh, hard work like my dad, and very nurturing, caring like my mom. One of the things my wife and I do, I was fortunate to serve on several boards. I was at Norfolk State Board of Visitors. I got appointed by Governor McDonald. We were appointed by uh, Governor McAuliffe. I was there for seven years, and last three years I was on the board. I was the chairman of the board, and uh, and uh, my wife and I we we always give money back to the university, and we and we able to allocate it where we want to go. So we just love uh, giving monies to at-risk youth who who got the grades and foundation to go to school, but but don't have the resources. So we probably gave the last couple of years about sixty thousand dollars to the university to help out with scholarships. Alonzo? So I kind of like both me and my mom and my dad. So in the green room, uh, we, we talked a little bit about, um, I love your discipline, and um, you talked about being in the Boy Scouts, being an ROTC and in the military. Um, how has that helped you in cybersecurity from, you know, from your youth to now? Tell us a little bit about that in a brief moment. Uh, my youth to now, growing up, uh, uh, strong parents, strong discipline. Uh, I, was part of the, I was part of the Boys and Girls Club growing up. Uh, uh, and I transposed that and, you know, going to college and so forth and then got, getting into military, getting more into the, you know, learning about IT because, you know, we, we, live with, we live with it every day. It's not going anywhere. And that just grew my fascination into going to cyber. I guess it's something I just wanted to get more into, more involved. Is that made you uh, like build teams for training? Because I, I hear you talk a lot about training. Yeah, we do build we do build teams. What we do, we uh, do a lot of training. And what I do, I'm kind of a hands off kind of guy. Because if because if I hire you based on your credentials and so forth, and that I'm a, I'm going to believe in you. So I'm not going to stand over your shoulders. I'm not going to watch you. I'm let you do your job. And and we've been very good with that because our employees like that because and they do a great job for us. We have a ninety percent retention rate, and so it's been going good so far with that. Yeah. You talked about the key role your parents played in your life. Are they still alive? My father died in 2005. He died from congestive heart failure. My mother, she's still living. She's down to make sure I cover family. She'll be 88 years old next month, and uh, her mind is, I'm just amazed how sharp her mind is. So what does your mom think about your success at the, uh, your company? Well, it's funny because when we were, we talked every now and then, she always said when, when she saw me growing up, the things I was into, she said she wasn't surprised uh, because she, I was always doing things to make money and she said you always had the entrepreneurial type spirit and so she said it did not surprise her she just um, it didn't surprise her mm -hmm. and my kids are kind of doing that also too on their own so you, you said you're the family historian now of uh, by default or by choice uh actually it's by choice because when I was growing up my mother I used to always sit with her and she would tell me about the family and like I said, she's even now her mind is still sharp. So I just kind of took it about four years ago to learn more about our family, and I was able to go back to 1841 to my great 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 grandfather. I could have go back further than then because just the records are just not there. Mm -hmm. But uh, so yeah, I'm by default I am by default, and I wanted to. But there are the is the family historian. That's great. Can, um, can you talk a little bit about Cherry, your last name, where it came from? Oh yes, sir. Uh, Part of the history from my father's side, he had a, him and his two brothers, they all deceased. Uh, they came out of uh, Windsor, North Carolina, and going back to North Carolina doing the research there, I found out there are a lot of Caucasian cherries down who I met and got to meet and so forth. And I found out during history that the cherry name was a slave name. Was a slave name, yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. So what's a, what's a favorite or, or a character in literature or movies that resonated with you? I like to read. Uh, lit, uh, favorite movie probably I like Jack Nicholson. I just like his role, and probably one of the, one of my top five movies was One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Byron, uh, what's your website address? SucceedElite.com. We've been speaking with Byron Cherry. Don't forget to visit our website, ExecutiveLeadersRadio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment. Want to help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. 
because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. This is John Schuhart. Join us, joining us for our business spotlight is Barry File. Who are you with, Barry? I'm with Celebrate Fairfax, a and 501c3 nonprofit in Fairfax, Virginia. And what do you do with uh, Celebrate Fairfax? I am very fortunate to be the president and CEO of the organization. So what does Fairfax, or excuse me, Celebrate Fairfax do? We have a mission to celebrate Fairfax County and its communities. We serve the 1.1 million people who live in the county and all, as well as all the people who uh, visit and work there. So uh, what do you enjoy about working at Celebrate Fairfax? It is the best job in the world. It is. We come to work every day, my team and I, and we get to prepare and plan and produce events for 75,000, 100,000 people. And we treat them like, we think of them like, like they're our, our friends. So, so we get to come in and just plan great events for them. What makes those events so special? We try to be unique uh, within this region especially, but we're always trying to stretch the envelope of what people expect from events. People go to events because they want to have great experiences. And for us, we are always trying to give them that return on investment because they're not giving us necessarily a lot of money when they come to our event, but they are giving us their time and their energy. And that's an important thing. People want that ROI back. So did you ever think you'd be doing this when you were a kid? No, never. I, I think that when I was a kid, I, I, was, I was building things, designing things, and somewhere along the line, I fell into events and realized that it was a natural extension for me, that I just loved producing things. So what was it about being a kid that led you to this? Um, I think that it was just the challenges that were there. I always tried to figure out solutions to problems that didn't exist, and uh, that's what we do now. It's, it's the same principle. So when did you first start overcoming big challenges as a kid? Uh, I think I always was. I, I think that uh, I lived in a household with two older kids, parents who had their own things going on, and I think for me, I just always uh, tried to find my own way. What's your website? Our website is CelebrateFairfax.com. This is John Schuhart, and this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back, and you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, John Schuhart, with my co-host, Mike Rosenau from the Arlington Chamber of Commerce, Mark Haas from AEG, Alonzo Zamora from White Glove Solutions, and Bob Sprague from Yes And. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Robert Kinsler. Robert, what is the United Fray? United Fray is a media, entertainment, and recreation company. We have a mission to make fun possible, and we do that by creating and sharing fun things to do. How so, large or how small is United Fray? United Fray is 30 full-time staff members and anywhere between 150 and 200 seasonal hourly team, team members, hosting games, running events, writing articles. Okay. And uh, where are you from? I am from the D.C. area. I was born in Alexander inside the Beltway. I've lived kind of all over, East Coast, West Coast, uh, throwing a tropical island as well in there. But I've been back in the D.C. area for the last seven, eight years. Okay. No, that's uh, wrong. Twelve years. Twelve years, Time all right. goes by. All right. And uh, any brothers or sisters? I am from a large family. Um, we didn't all live under the same roof, but I'm one of seven. Uh, some on my dad's side, some on my mom's side. All right. Uh, Mark. Uh, so you're just operating in the D.C. area? So Frey operates in four markets, D.C., Phoenix, Jacksonville, and New Orleans. So is, is it uh, hard to manage across those different areas? <laughs> it is ridiculously hard to manage uh, just in D.C., so add in the other markets, and it's that much harder. Absolutely. And what, how, do you, how do you actually do that management process? What is it about your particular skills or personality that lets you do that? Well, beyond the logistical items of trying to make sure that we get out to each of the markets and we cross-pollinate, it's just really important that you make time for each of the team members. Um, it's really interesting from a perspective when I was traveling 
to connect with those other markets, you learn their side of it from a perspective of what does it mean to call on a conference call and how does this whole process work for for things of that nature. So understanding where the other team members are coming from, getting as much information as possible, and making sure that you make time, that you carve out time specifically for those other markets. You had some rough uh, elements in your early family life, and I'm wondering what about that maybe puts you on the path to being a CEO? Yeah, I think in the green room, we had talked about just a little bit of my story being categorized more by almost kind of anti-mentors from just a perspective of seeing a lot of examples of what not to do versus what to do. And I think that that short list of the things not to do kept me very open-minded to a crazy thing like starting a skee-ball league as a business. Um, I wasn't constrained by the normal, you should go to college, you should do this. I was more, hey, don't do that and don't do that. And if you're not doing those three things, then uh, you're pretty good. Whatever else works. So was there a moment where you said in your early life, this is not going to happen to me. I'm not going to let this happen so that I'll be successful. I can't think of a specific moment where I had that reflection, but I certainly would say that it's uh, it's been maybe an underlying current to decisions I've made and directions and maybe a little bit of where some of the motivation comes from. Yeah, you mentioned in the green room your grandmother was a very important figure in your uh, childhood. Tell us about her and the impact she had on you. I think the biggest impact that my grandmother had on me um, is just the unconditional love and just her being there for me. Um, I had a lot of people coming and going early on and a lot of inconsistency. And I think she was the one that was the one positive that was most consistent. And she drove me to the hospital when I fell out of the tree and broke my arm. And she bathed me when she wrapped the uh, bread bag around my cast in the bath. And um, she just was uh, she was an amazing person from the perspective of the love that she gave me. So what elements of your grandmother show up in your day-to-day work at United Frey? Oh, geez. Well, I would like to think compassion. Um, And her nickname for me was Cartoon. And I've always kind of embraced that. And it obviously was because I love to watch cartoons. And so uh, probably a little bit of that playfulness comes out in some ways. All right. Alonzo or Mike? Anybody else? What, What do you expect of your employees? Oh, I'm, I'm, it's a constant evolving uh, item, but most recently I've really over the last couple of years gotten very comfortable expecting anything from them. I think for a long time um, and even today I'm still evolving in my ability to hold people accountable. But beyond that, what I want in an employee and what I'm getting really comfortable articulating to them is that I want somebody that is driven to succeed and to be the best version of themselves. They don't need to be perfect. They don't need to be top of their class, but they want they need to wake up every day, see the opportunities that are in front of them, have a level of gratitude um, of those opportunities and for them, and just want to capture them and just want to make the best of it and not just be, uh, you know, a clock puncher or resigning to, oh, this is just kind of a thing I'm doing. I want it to be something that they're owning, that they love, that they want to move forward in, and that they find purpose in. And um, a lot of that comes back to gratitude for sure. I think we have a crisis of gratitude happening in the country right now, and it's one of our company values. And so there's got to be uh, an embrace of that philosophy that gratitude is, is really important. So how are you, what are you doing day to day to address this crisis of gratitude? Well, in our company, we try to back all of our values up by specific behaviors. So one of them are our thank you cards. We encourage every team member to write at least two a month. We will pay for the cards, pay for the postage. They just have to supply the the gratitude, the thanks. Um, It's also a great way to build your holiday mailing card list and just to remember and slow down a little bit for all the people that you're touching along the way. And one of my most touching stories that a team member shared was after begrudgingly starting that habit, um, a player in one of our leagues um, that he had sent a card to actually ran across the field uh, to tell him that he had gotten the card and how much it had meant to him. And so those little moments where people have reflected like that um, have been really powerful. Who do you need to express the most gratitude toward? Who do I personally need to? Oh, my wife, my 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 kids, uh, my team. Um, everything that we've succeeded has been because of them and 
our teamwork together. Um, certainly my wife um, having three kids with me in the last five years. Uh, well, we had three kids under three, which I think needs to be a badge that people wear. Um, so that's been pretty incredible. Also, my wife's family, um, her parents are just incredible human beings. Um, and I also, you know, gratitude for my dad and the direction that he's been taking his life and um, that, uh, that he's turned things around uh, and, and, and has, has been on a great path and, and what he's doing for my younger sisters as well. Mm -hmm. You also talked um, in the green room also about um, somebody that you uh, look up to, Richard, uh, Richard Branson. Can you touch on base on that, how, what influence he has over your, you know, over the... Yeah, you know, I think sometimes people um, look to these big flashy personalities um, more because of their image. But what I, I love about Bronson is um, that he has consistently repeated um, the success story. He's not just a fluke. He just didn't stumble into one thing and it worked out. I also really appreciated the, the honesty he's had in his books that he's written. And he shares about how he broke the law once with imports on records and what that did for him. But he just seems um, from everything I can tell, and I'm, I'm hoping one day to meet him, that he lives a really incredible life with his family. Uh, and he is—he just embraces the joy of it all, and it's pretty—it's pretty impactful to see, even from afar, which I think speaks to his impact. Someone with your early life might be justified in being bitter or cynical, and you've chosen gratitude. What made that difference for you? You know, I, I, I get a daily email from uh, Ryan Holiday. He writes um, on stoicism and, and the stoic thought, and I've he sent a really impactful email actually today that I think touches that question and I um, I would reflect that I've had a lot of challenges in my life and I've generally up to this point said well you know I can't get too hard on that I'm generally happy with the direction I'm going and I wouldn't be who I am today without those and so his email today spoke uh, much more articulately to that element of you are where you're supposed to be and as long as you find purpose in the day however hard it might be you're moving in the right direction and so I think that somewhere I was fortunate enough to get a spark of that idea ingrained in me. Um, and it does no good to complain. Um, nothing positive comes from um, uh, embracing a victim mentality. And so you just got to uh, pick up your boots and just keep moving. What's your website? My website is dcfray.com, phoenixfray.com, jacksfray.com, or nolafray.com. We've been speaking with Robert Kinsler. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, this is Sherry from Hummingbird Market in Tucson, Arizona. I have some great news for those of you who like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are the most loved and easily fed birds in the United States. Attracting these flying jewels into your yard is accomplished by using the proper nectar and feeders available from Hummingbird Market. Hummingbird Market has revolutionized hummingbird nutrition. We scientifically formulate hummingbird nectar made with all-natural plant sugars that most closely replicate nectar from Mother Nature's flowers. It hydrates and energizes the hummingbird with the essential sugar-blended nutrients it requires for proper nutrition, which keeps them coming back to your yard. Hummingbird Market is your preferred source for hummingbird-approved feeders, nectar, and accessories. Disconnect from your technology, gadgets, and daily obligations, and discover the natural beauty of hummingbirds. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, the, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next 
next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your, idea, your, your thought is in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Oh hell no! It's a lot longer uh -huh. than that, baby. So do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff? Yeah, like that? sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Balsambid.com, and, and you can download the Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more Balsambid. time. Balsambid.com. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Boston Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. Nice. We Rock nailed on. that. that Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back, and you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Dave Kerrigan. Dave, what is Billman Company? Uh, Billman Company, uh, we're a commercial mechanical contractor. We build out space in the Washington region since 1973. Uh, proud to say we've built out some, some really remarkable spaces for high-end law firms, defense contractors, health clubs, uh, retail spaces, etc. And how large or small is Billman? Presently, we're 75 employees, about 50 trucks. And uh, when did you get involved with Billman? I went to work there in 1986 uh, as an assistant project manager, not thinking I'd end up owning the company, and, and through diligent hard work, uh, had the opportunity to buy the company from the founder, Bill Minnick, which is where the name Billman comes from, in the year 2000. 2000. All right, well, thank you. Uh, where'd you grow up? Uh, I pretty much grew up in the Washington area. We moved here. My dad uh, was in the Air Force, so we moved around a good bit. We ended up in, in Washington in the summer after seventh grade. And... Uh Brothers or sisters? I have one sister. One sister. And you said you moved around a lot. Uh, why was that? Uh, Dad being in the Air Force, we were stationed in multiple locations, Omaha, Nebraska, Tucson, Arizona, uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So I saw all of America. So you saw a lot of America, obviously uh, met a lot of people. What's it like growing up uh, when you have to uproot every couple of years and make new friends and whatnot? Um, it's really great uh, for your development as a kid. You learn how to make friends really fast and how to say goodbye and, and know that that's going to be okay, too. Uh, in the green room I talked about when we were in Omaha, that was during um, Vietnam, and I did experience families who lost their 
parents and saw the car come and the announcement made and then those people were gone quickly so it was a sobering experience in some ways mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure it was uh, tell us about your mom um my mom uh basically grew up in brooklyn new york uh from a, a parent of italian immigrants she paid her way through college and uh when uh, we moved around the country she was teaching at various universities mathematics university of nebraska university of alabama pretty remarkable woman Interesting. Okay. Co-host, who's got the first question? Your dad and your mom had uh, really interesting careers, but neither of them were terribly entrepreneurial, and yet you've wound up running a company. What's the difference? Um, I, I think it's an internal calling that I've had all my life. I started off very young, uh, got, got a donut delivery job when we came to Washington, and that taught me how to knock on doors and sell donuts. And I realized right then, if you have a product people want, they want you to knock on their door. Um, you know, moving, moving through life, I had paper routes and all, and always all along, I wanted to own, be the one to develop something that was mine. So what'd you learn, uh, from being a paper boy, having a paper route, how to collect money (laughs) (laughs) and Uh, all kidding aside, you know, having a, having a paper route when you're like 14 back in those days was your own business. Uh, I delivered to Washington post. And I was responsible, uh, had 84 papers daily and 130 on Sunday at the peak of my delivership. Man, I had to be up really early and get them on the doorsteps. But also collecting the, the money from the individuals was my job. And I learned uh, very early in life how to be creative when, when it's time to get the bill paid. But you also told us that your first aspiration was to be a truck driver. And that is a very different career than what you wound up in. What was it about being a truck driver that, uh, that attracted you? Well, I must, I must admit I'm a little bit of a country boy in, uh, in that way. Back in those days when I was thinking about what I wanted to be, uh, the Smokey and the Bandit movies and the, sort of the trucker songs on the radio were real big, and it seemed romantic and, and, and a great, great way to see America and you know get in a big rig and drive around. So it was, uh, it was, it was more of a passing fantasy at that time, I think, than a real career uh, ideal. So your father was a pilot, your mom was a math teacher, but you really uh, are a guy who likes to work with his hands. How did that come about? Yeah, I'd I'd say um, it was probably a disappointment at at some point for both parents that I didn't really have that desire, but uh, there was an internal calling in me that wanted to be more of a blue collar guy. And uh, when I was in high school, they offered an apprenticeship program and I took carpentry and and I really liked it. And I did that for a couple of years, but then also got to experience a recession. That was the very first one in the early 80s. And uh, I all of a sudden didn't have a job because there wasn't any work. So I thought, well, let me, let me take another calling in myself. And I learned about sales. I knew I could sell papers and donuts. So I figured, let me go sell building materials. And that's how I ended up kind of in that world. So have you ever met a stranger? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah. Who's got the next question? Um, you know what I love in talking in the green room is you talk about selling donuts and, and your paper route. And I love that you deal with people. I love that the way you knock on doors. Um, and you, de- you must deal with people every day, your employees. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, it's really gratifying. One of the things that sort of came out of owning a company and, and having, done, having done so for as long as I have and being a part of that company for over 30 years is watching people's lives uh, develop, grow, sadnesses, successes, failures, um, working together as a team, and building something collectively has meant a lot to me. I've had some really, really great people around me to support me through all of this. Uh, gratification is really a service leadership I believe in, uh, and, uh, and I'm really, really proud of my company and my team. So you mentioned being attached to, the, to, to your dad through hunting and also getting connected to Billman Company through hunting. So what is it about hunting that's really helped you throughout your career? Um, I'm an avid outdoorsman, as I said, in the green room, hunting and fishing has been something my dad and I shared all my life and we've shared with a lot of my friends and and it's another community of individuals within the industry. There's a lot of people that both hunt and fish. So it gives you an opportunity to bridge between business and and pleasure, Um, much like a golf course, a lot of business can be done in the duck blind or in the fishing boat. And uh, I found that to be uh, also a great outlet for relaxation and uh, stimulation uh, to, uh, you know, some, sometimes when you're sitting by yourself in the woods, some really great ideas occur to you as uh, you watch the sun come up. Probably develop a lot of patience there too, right? Oh yeah. And, uh, I'm, uh, learning how to sit quietly for sure. <laughs> what role is, as an employer, do you think is, is really important to, to your employees to know about? 
Now, what is your job as your employer? Well, I think my employees count on me to make good decisions, to have the best interest for our company. Uh, as I said, that first recession I experienced uh, as a, just an employee and, and pretty much the second recession, which led me into buying Billman when we came back from that, and then the big recession. So I've learned that my employees look at me for confidence and, and, and reassurance in these times when things are bad and, and we band together and, and fight our way through it. So I think that's been the uh, one of the things that they that they appreciate most about me. You sort of built to follow on. You've built a successful business um, based on who you were and as, as a kid. If you had to sort of give a high school graduation speech, what advice would you give to kids to sort of become good employees, good citizens? I, I you know I think the the answer to that question falls with each in, each individual it's different for some they don't have a lot of self-confidence it's to try to find that find something that they're passionate about and chase it uh, for for others it's uh, you know just to believe in themselves and to do something fi find a, a way to uh, express themselves in something that they like and appreciate um, you know what I, I love that you're very involved in the community and and you're trying to give back can you talk a little bit about what you're giving back with the drug addiction please um, yeah I've had some personal uh, tragedy in our lives we we lost one of our sons to suicide so I'm very active in a American Foundation for suicide prevention um, what we found is that and this is something that's big in in media today and, and around our country and around the world that there's a lot of mental illness that's ignored uh, and, and unfortunately people look the other way when they see people who are struggling but what we found is that these people do need help uh, there's no place to take somebody with a broken mind like you can with a broken leg so we're working really hard to try to build a new world where that is uh, focused on and people get the attention and help that they need so you know you said your parents were probably less than thrilled when you kind of wanted to do some blue-collar hands-on kind of work what do they think about what you've built now? And what do they think about the, the work you've done on drug addiction? It's funny you should ask. I was contemplating that after the green room. So my mom is stunned, I think, that uh, I had such great success. I think she was really, really worried about me. And she's told me many times how, how proud she is of me and how, how, how far I've come from what I think she worried at, at a very early point in my life wouldn't be very far at all. So what's next? You probably don't need to come to work. You've probably got enough money stashed away. Um, I am a I am a licensed Coast Guard captain. I do have a guide service. I do like to take people fishing, and I really get a lot of success, uh, a lot of uh, personal success, and and uh, and I'm passionate about that. So, sort of my long term plan. Although uh, I really enjoy working still, and I, I plan to be at my business for for a very long time to come, but end up in a boat taking people fishing. So, what legacy do you want to leave? Um, I. I, I want to leave a legacy of, of caring and success. I want my people to follow behind me and, and have the same appreciation for each other that I've had for them. Dave, what's your website? BillmanHVAC.net. B-I-L-M-I-N-H-V-A-C.net. I'm sorry, spell that for me one more time. B-I-L-M-I-N-H-V-A-C.net. All right, we've been speaking with Dave Kerrigan. Mark, uh, read down our uh, list of guests we talked to today. Yes, John, today we've uh, been fortunate to talk to Robert Epstein, President and CEO of About Web, Byron Cherry, President and CEO of Succeed to Lead, Robert Kinsler, Founder and CEO of United Frey, and finally, Dave Kerrigan, owner of Billman.Company. I'm John Shuhart from Graybeard Coaching, and I want to thank my co-host today, Mike Rosenau from the Arlington Chamber of Commerce, Mark Haas from AEG, Alonzo Zamora from White Glove Solution, and Bob Sprague from Yes And. Also, I'd like to thank our audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.